0: It's a, it's a unique day because we get to wrap up our sermon series uh, that we, we've been journey through through this chronological events that took place in Scripture as Jesus dies upon the cross and then his resurrection and the, the events that that lead into that moment where the church the first community comes together, which we know as the New Testament church. And, and and that kind of begins and is recognized that way. But today we wrap up this ser- series. And if you didn't catch it on the songs, we, we get really creative about how we do our worship around here. Ricky looks at the sermons here, his titles, he picks the songs. We, we're all coordinated here. You know, Land, I, I think Landon is following us. You'll find out from your kids um, eventually. But what we do is is we kind of tag along and try to do one theme for the whole day so that you guys are all in sync with what will be happening. So um, today's title of the message is The Promise of Forever. The Promise of Forever. And this is how we're going to wrap up the sermon series because we believe that the events that took place during this journey that Jesus went through solidified things in our lives forever. It changed the game forever for all of us. Never again will we ever go back. Everything as you know it shifted. The norms, the, 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 the rules, the, 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 the atmosphere, what you know, it had all changed because of what Jesus did and what he accomplished. You know, the way we were called to live life, the power of sin that we carried forever has been gone and removed. That's a good thing. Don't stay so quiet. That's one of those amen moments, like the power of sin is gone. Can we get it? I mean, right? We can we wrap it up there. We have a Savior, guys, that will never need to die again. This is not something. He doesn't have to go to the cross again for us. He did it all. Look at the person next to you and say, you're not that bad. <laughs> right? You're bad, but you're not that bad. Because what Jesus did is so much more powerful. Listen, the person next to you could be really bad. Really bad. Okay? But I'm guaranteeing you, they cannot overcome what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? Amen? You cannot out-sin God. He will never have to die again. Romans 6, 9 says, we are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never, say it with me, die again. Never die again. Sorry, I messed that up. That was on me. (laughs) It's Spanish, English. It's one of those things. Just my mind works different. (laughs) Death no longer has any power over him. Listen, last week it was a tough message. This week we're smiling. We're celebrating. It's going to be good. It's a forever promise. There shouldn't be a problem with that statement. But it's difficult for us because the reality of that statement is that we don't understand what forever means. You know why? Because none of us have ever experienced it. We only live life in the moment. It's so hard for us to comprehend forever. So what we do with that statement is we simplify it. Because we can't understand it. This thing is shifting. I'm losing it. I think it's because I got little ears. (laughs) Shawana. Shawana, stop. (laughs) I move a lot too, right? I think that has to do with it. You know, because we don't understand what forever means, we tend to simplify the statement. And we'll say things like that and we'll, we'll water it down. We, we, we want to live forever. We, 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 Jimmy has done that all his life. He's done that forever. Wow, I'm loud now. It took them forever to find the answer. We, we make these statements and use the word forever in, in, our, in our knowledge and what we comprehend of what that statement means and what that word means. And we use it within its definition, nouns, adjective, but one of us, we have never, none of us in this room has had the opportunity to experience forever. We are people that are used to things starting and ending. Even Ecclesiastes talks about that in in verse, in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, for everything, there's a season a time for every activity under heaven. Okay. There, there's a way that, that, that God goes about this. And in, in, in essence, our life, in fact, is just in, within the, the, the measure of time, how we make money is measure with time, with something starting and ending. If you work 40 hours a week, you make a certain amount of time. If you work past that, some of you, if you if you work during an, through an hourly wage, you you make time and a half. If, you, if if you're on retail and you work holidays, you work double time, and and there's bonus structures and all different things, all based on the time you spent doing certain things. You spend more time in college, you get. More education and you you have the ability to enter a job. You get an associate's degree is two years, a, a bachelor's degree is four. A master's gives you a little bit more opportunity. We pay a higher premium for product based on its longevity. If we know something is good, something is worth it, we buy it. We pay the extra premium to actually get the additional product. That's what we do at Costco all the time. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. That wasn't on here. I... I got it. But but then I asked myself. I said, Why would there ever need be a need for forever when God has already done it all? Why why is this timetable so extremely stretched out and this forever concept is used in our lives when God has already finished? He's paid it all. You take the context into money and it's extremely expensive when you look at a forever concept. And the reality is this, and it might be simple to many of you, is that God has created us to last forever. All right. God has created us to last forever. It's built within our our DNA. We are made to last forever. You're going to live forever. You're like, am I? Really? I don't want to live forever. No. In that same chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, in chapter 3, verse 11, he goes on to explain this a little bit further. It says, verse 11 says, yet God has made everything beautiful for his own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. You guys have heard me refer to this. Abraham Lincoln said this. Surely God would not have created such a being as a man to exist only for one day. He says, no, no, no. Man was made for immortality. The, the, the reality of all of us in the room is that we will live forever. All right. And we're going to break that down here in just a little bit. There's a, a constant eternal battle between what we experience and in, in our day to day lives and what is in us forever. Okay. So much so that facing the now has become our only reality. You know why? Because many of us, what we can't understand, we don't, we usually ignore what we can't understand. And that's become the concept of forever. We don't understand forever, therefore we just live in the now. We don't know what forever means, what forever looks like. what that concept really, how it plays out. So what we do is we just live the now. And we go through life experiencing life in the now. There is no shortcuts to maturity in life. It takes years for us to enter into adulthood. It takes full seasons for fruit to mature. And a, a development of a Christ-like character cannot be rushed. Spiritual growth like physical growth takes time. <clears throat> you know, you, you have this idea when something happens too fast. It's usually not very good, right? You throw something on the microwave. Come on. It's ready pretty quick, but you know, it's just not there. When I was single, I used to buy a bunch of bro- frozen food, and I would have pasta and all kinds of fancy stuff, but it was all frozen. And it just the, the taste wasn't there. Usually when something doesn't take its time to develop or it doesn't, you know, we were just talking about it. You know, when we cater food, You're paying for the convenience of not having to prepare it. Not because the catered food is better tasteful than the one you would make yourself, right? In America, tomatoes are usually picked before their time so they don't get bruised in the travel when they go to the store. So, so, So before they're sold, the green tomatoes are sprayed with CO2 gas to turn them into red instantly. You're eating that. No, I'm just kidding. And you know, gas tomatoes are edible, but they don't match. (laughs) Man, you guys, you know, are you listening to anything I'm saying here? (laughs) Gas tomatoes. I do have that written here. But it doesn't match to a tomato that is left on the vine. Let it mature on its own. The flavor is different. In life, we are constantly worried about the speed. In everything, and how fast we grow when God is really concerned about how strong we grow. Did you imagine how frustrated it is for God to look down upon us sometimes because we're so rushed into Everything. God God views our lives from and for eternity. And we have to get over the fact because he's not in a hurry. He is looking at you through the lens of eternity when he's looking at your life. He's looking at my life through the lens of eternity. And he's not rushing anywhere. God doesn't need to go five miles above the speed limit. He's not going to do it. For all of us, forever is a lifelong process with God. Philippians 1, 6 says, and it talks about this process. It says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finished. Finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. There's a hopeful process that is taking place in our lives that it is forever. I always been amazed on how powerful our God is, but how less intrusive he is. The Bible says he, start, he stands at the door and knocks. Think about that concept. Our Savior, the most powerful being in this world, comes to your door and says, hey, want to let me in? How, man, you know, I, many of us answer the door right away. Other of us resist. I I wish there were times in my life that I wish God would have blown up my door. Came straight in, like, what are you doing, man? Get out of the way. Like, not that he would talk like that. That's just, you know. But, you know, he is that willing to take the time and that patient. Discipleship is a process of conforming to Christ. The Bible says that we arrive at eternal maturity that measures that measure of development, which is meant by the fullness of Christ, meaning that Christ likeness in our is our ultimate destination. But the journey to it will last for a lifetime. That shouldn't exhaust you to know that the person that God is going to turn you out to be or, or, or build you out to be is going to take your whole entire lifetime to become. We shouldn't feel worn out or exhausted by that statement. We are a work in progress. We should wear shirts. That say that work in progress, you know, not from a justification standpoint, from a forever standpoint. We are being viewed through the lens of eternity. Today we are obsessed with speed. Okay. My wife will make a statement and say, if you drive, we'll get there at this time. If I drive, we'll get there at this time. I'll let you figure out who gets there faster. Okay. We are obsessed with speed. You know, one of the most popular things right now in social media and all these platforms is the short videos. Because we want content fast, quickly, onto the next thing. You know what I'm saying? When a guy, I'll tell you what I do. If a, I have a rule that I follow firmly. When a guy starts his video by saying, don't scroll, I scroll. When the video starts with the guy trying to convince me why I don't have to move on, I move on. Because you just wasted more of my time trying to tell me that. Get on to it. You know, we, we have become people that are obsessed with speed. Okay? We want more, and we want it fast, and we want information at this high speed. God is more interested in the strength and stability than our swiftness. We want the quick fix, fix the, the shortcut, the, the one-in-the-spot solution to everything. The pill that takes it all away. I mean, there's there's literally they're, They're considering I, I think they're prescribing um, um, for weight loss is the. Yes, I don't know how to say that, but it's that thing they're using, OK? It's a diabetes medication. Exactly. They're using that because it's a quick fix. People are losing a ton of weight. It's becoming this one. We want one sermon, a seminar, an experience that would instantly resolve all of our problems in life. That we can just walk away, remove all the temptations, release us from all the growing pains that we experience in our lives. But real maturity is never a result of one single experience. No, no matter how powerful and moving the experience is, no matter how much Ricky stands up here and sings in the worship team, and I deliver a power word, no, growth is gradual. We are in the forever game. Please. If you take anything from me today, understand that you are in the long game. You're working towards eternity, not towards tomorrow. That is our plane. That that, that is our, 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 our landing ground. The Bible says our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. Can you imagine getting something too quickly? and becoming something too fast. It's like that weird scenario back in the day, and I know this is gonna be a horrible example to use, but I'm still gonna use it, that back in the day, there was this big hype about this movie, Twilight, okay? And my, mo- my wife made me watch all the movies, okay? Get mad at her, you know? The pastor was talking about Twilight. God, it, Rosie, you gotta get him, you know? Anyways, she made me watch them all, and I was an obedient husband, and I sat there and watched them all, okay? <laughs> So I, I went through this whole season and watched watch all these movies, and, and, and there's towards the end of this thing, I can't even remember what it was all about, but this, this one girl gets pregnant, okay? And within days, she has this baby. Her belly starts growing. It's out of control. It's the, it's the weirdest thing. It is the weirdest concept of the movie. I thought it was – listen, I'll take it a step further. A grown man falls in love with the baby before he's even born because it was destiny or something like that, okay? It's crazy stuff. You see how weird that sounds? They end up being together. I, I mean, you guys, you guys know the story. I, I don't I need to talk about it. Okay? But, but you see how getting something too early or going about it too soon sometimes tends to seem a little bit crazy. And I know this may be a silly example to use, but when we apply this to our lives, we can see that sometimes if God gave us the ability to get a hold of something too quickly where the game ends, we wouldn't know what to do with it. We would go about it all the wrong ways. But why does it take so long? If God can transform us right in the instance, why would he do it so slowly? God takes his time with people. You see him give the Israelites the promised land one little step after another little step after another little steps. It's like God prefers to work in our lives through an incremental process of some sort. I have two reasons why I think it takes us so long to change or grow up. Grow up is a difficult word for me to use because I thought I was going to grow up one day. Okay. And the older I get, the more I realize that I'm just going to be immature for the rest of my life. (laughs) All right. But for some of you, you're in the process of growing up, so good luck with that. My wife has come to terms with that, and she gets it. In in my first point, I don't mean it as an offense, but we are slow learners. We are slow learners, all of us. Even the people that think, think fastest in the room. How often do you have to do something to eventually master it and learn it? We think we have things figured out, but sometimes we keep falling into the same problem. Have you ever had the problem that you thought you overcame a sin and you fall for it again and you fall for it again and you fall for it again? Nobody wants to say amen, but I think we've all been in that road before, right? Some of us think that we got things figured out and really it gets proven on true. Our spouses are the best testament to this. You know, because the reality is when we learn something fast or we learn something too quickly, usually it's shallow and incomplete. We don't have the time to develop something and be a part of it for good. Have you ever met somebody that knows it all? (laughs) Somebody pointed at their wife. I'm going to keep looking at this side. I don't want any of that smoke over there so you know you that person is not very likable. It's difficult to deal with the person that knows it all okay can, 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 can we come to that agreement? It's difficult to deal with that person that knows it all okay but but you know why it's because they don't know it all. That's why it's difficult i you know it it habits take time to develop. Our character is a sum of all of our habits. You claim to be a kind person. Guess what? You have to do kindness constantly. You claim to have integrity. You have to be honest all the time. It's not something you say. It is a habit that takes place. God is not looking for half made habits. Guess what? I cannot be faithful to my wife half of the time. I have to be, because that would mean I'm unfaithful to her all the time. You get how that works? We're not looking for half-made habits. God wants us focused in doing the right things. Paul urges Timothy when he says, picture these things, devote your life to them so that everyone can see your progress. I'm not good at everything, but when you develop practice and you focus on doing things over and over again, you become very good at it. You may not know this about me, but I love chess. I was in the chess club in high school. Really good at it. I've read two books on chess. I spent 10th grade and 11th grade playing chess. That's what I do all the time. You don't know this about me, do you? I I don't look like a chess player, do I? (laughs) I get it. You don't have to say it. I'll say it for you. I, I just got into it. My brothers, my, I would go every, spend hours of my free time in school, in the chess club, playing chess against players from my school and rank myself up and doing all kinds of things. My brother and my dad won't even play with me anymore. My dad showed me how to play very early on and I took it to a whole nother level and he's just like, man, I don't even like it. This is not enjoyable. I really enjoy it, but you know why? Because I put time and effort into it. It took me time and I, I read and I practiced and I lost a lot. Repetition is the mother of character and skill. You know what they're called? These character building things are called? They're called spiritual disciplines in our lives. It's how we serve God. It's what we do for him. We are slow learners and that's okay. It's okay. The sad part is you even see it in the history of Israel is that they were slow learners, but what caused them, this, this idea of being a slow learner caused them to go back to things they were familiar with. And that's when it gets scary. It's when we don't understand something and we haven't learned something or we haven't mastered something, all we do is we go back and play with our toys. You ever met a person that's uncomfortable in a scenario in life and they lock themselves in the closet with all their toys? And that's how, that's how they get by, you know why? Because it's the only thing they're comfortable with. That's the only thing they've known up to that point. Okay. It's a real scary process. It's we, we, end up going back to our old patterns and behaviors. That's why there's much needed exposure to, 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 repeat the process over and over and over again. And this leads me to my second point is that we have a lot to unlearn as people. Um, You you see it on the people of Israel when they, they build a calf. They went back. Those things that they experienced in Egypt were still in there and they were freed. But those things kept coming out. And in their difficult times in life, those things that stuck with them kept coming out and they kept expressing their discomfort or their ignorance through those things. And those things could be true for us. You may be sitting in this room free today completely free but there are areas of your life that you don't understand therefore you go back to your toys and you play because that's the only thing you know how to do you're good at that you did that for such a long time that's what you're an expert at that's not a shot all of us go through it it's unrealistic for us to expect To grow and for these things to go away immediately. There is no pill, no prayer, no principle that would instantly undo the damage that we have taken in for many years. It requires hard work of removal and replacement. There are things in our lives that need to be removed and replaced. The Bible calls it taking all the old self and putting on the new self. When you are giving a brand new nature at the moment of conversion, you still have old habits, patterns, and practices that need to be removed and replaced. You know why weeds grow in a garden? Because no one takes the time to take them out. I, I, I've been putting it off at my house. Tell Rosie, we've got to wait for the allergies to go away, for the weather to get better. And you know what the weeds keep doing? Yeah. Growing and growing and spreading. And the job used to be 30 minutes. Now the job is up to an hour and a half and it's getting longer. And he volunteered. Listen, if you got some free time on a Saturday, hit me up. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. We can't just go through life ignoring these things. They have to be addressed. One failure doesn't make a person a failure. Just like one success doesn't make a person successful. But amnesia fosters arrogance. Hear me out. Never forget. Don't ignore these things. They need to be dealt with. They need to be addressed. In 1 Corinthians one twenty six, it says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, I know you're a hot shot now. But a few of you weren't wise. You were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy. When God called you, we can't afford to forget. Remembering is not easy. I understand bringing these things to life. It's easier sometimes to ignore them and not have to address them at all. But listen, our future is not finished and it's uncertain. So while remembering the past may be painful and remembering or thinking of our future may be uncertain, the reality is that God is not done with us yet. Because we're in the game of forever. And it's a terrible thing that we have to navigate and balance. But the truth is that some of you are terrified of facing the truth about yourself. And yes, while facing that truth sometimes may be liberating, it could be miserable at first. We could look at ourselves and say, man, do I really have to deal with this? You know, um, we... The fear of what we might discover if we honestly face our character defects keeps us from living in that prison of denial that most of us live in. Only when we allow the, the light of the truth of God over our lives do we get to experience that freedom to work on these things that have marked our lives for so long and become truly free. That's why you can't grow without a teachable, humble attitude. I tell our leadership team here all the time, every time I walk into a room, I am a learner first and a leader second. There is something you can learn from every situation you walk in. I live by that principle in my life. I could be the man that is running the meeting when I walk in and I still say learner first, leader second. There is something I could gain from this. I could learn something. It could be one thing, two things. It could be simple. It could be nothing. I can learn something. Learner first, leader second. Because I am not going to lead 20 years from now with old leadership skills. I'm going to keep refreshing because I'm a learner first. So as I'm taking stuff in, things change. I adapt my leadership in a way that is still effective. And I'm not coming into a room with 20-year-old style of leadership. Hey, this is what we need to do. I won't tell you what came to my mind. I'm going to keep talking along. You know, growth is painful and scary. The fact is that there is no growth without change. There's no change without fear or loss, and there is no loss without pain. Every change involves a loss of some kind. We must let go of our old ways in order to experience new ones. Here's the problem. We fear losing those things that we become really good at. It's like an old pair of shoes. They're comfortable and familiar. We throw those things on and they get us everywhere. They, they're good for cutting the grass, going out for dinner even though your wife may disagree. It's just what we're comfortable with. It's what we know. That's what we do with our habits. We're scared that if we let those things go, that pair of shoes that feels so good my, on my feet, it's so comfortable and familiar. I throw those things on and I don't have to think about anything. It's automatic. That's how we treat our habits and the things that we've grown comfortable with in life. People often build their identity around defects because they feel that if they let go of these bad habits, default, fault or mistake, they will know who they become after that. The great thing about this is that we shouldn't be discouraged because the promise is forever. There's no timetable set to it. So even though if you fail up to this process, if you're still throwing on those pairs of shoes, God's not finished with you. We're in the forever game with God. The promise is forever. The Savior doesn't have to die again. He doesn't have to go through the punishment. We're in the the game of eternity here. You know, when when the prophet Habakkuk was having a a depressed time because he didn't know what God was acting quickly enough in his life and and what he was doing, he says this in chapter 2, verse 3. And this is a different translation, but I threw it up on the screen. He said, but these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. It seems slow, he said. Do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. We could do a whole sermon series on this verse right here. There will not be overdue a single day. God's timing is perfect. And I know this may, this may sound like a cliche statement, but it's the truth. We need to remember how far we have come, not how far we have to go. Okay? You may not be where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. Isn't that a good thing? We can celebrate that today, right? We must take in the fact that life is not all there is for us. This is just a dress rehearsal. You spend a lot more time. When I was in the youth group, I had a pastor come up to us, and he brought this super long cord. It's like a rope he had. And he had this much of the end of the rope taped. And he said, this is your life. And what you do in this time affects all this. And he kept bringing out the rope. And I'm sitting there, I'm 16, I'm like, because we take life for this great thing, this long-term plan of 100 years that we're going to live. Hopefully not that long for me. But there's way more to life than this. You will live 100 years on earth, but you will spend eternity. You will be forever in eternity with God. You know? We, when we look at death, we look at death as this unfair, unnatural thing. When my, I, I lost one of my grandparents um, four years ago. I've, I've, I had all my four grandparents alive, and I lost my, my grandma. And they asked me as a pastor to pray in the funeral. And I pray that same prayer. I said, the only reason, God, why I'm sitting here crying today is because I'm being selfish. Because I just want my grandma here. That's it. I know she's in a better place. It's just me. My selfishness wants me to have her here with me. All of us are crying in this room because we want her to still be here with us. But in reality, when we look at the laid out plan of God, she's in eternity with you. It's unfair because we're selfish about others. You know why is it unfair too? Because God has wired our brains to think of eternity. We were created to live forever. When we were created in the garden, we were created to live a lifelong journey with God forever. One day, the reality is everyone's hearts in their room will stop. But the encouraging part is that will not be the end of us. The Bible calls your body here on earth a tent, and your heavenly body a house. While life on earth may offer choices, eternity only offers two. It's either heaven or hell. A lot of people choose to be with God and a lot of people rebel against God. But this is so important for us to keep on the forefront. Because when we fully comprehend that there is more to life than just here and now. And you realize life is is just preparation for eternity and for what's next, you will begin to live differently. When you start thinking of forever, you start thinking of eternity with God, the things that make a big deal for you today may not make a big deal for you tomorrow. Those things that seem like a big issue that you're losing sleep over, that may seem like giants standing in front of you, when you think of eternity and you think of the forever game, those things get small really fast in our lives. Paul says, I once thought all these things were very important, he said. But now I consider them worthless because of what God has done. The most damaging aspect of contemporary living is short-term thinking. What is forever like? Our brains can't even begin to handle the greatness and the wonder of God in that concept. The Bible says no mere man has ever heard or ever imagined what wonderful things God has ready, God has ready for those who love the Lord. Okay, I love the way C.S. Lewis put it in his last book of that Chronicle, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia on his seventh book. He finishes the book by saying this and I'm going to read it. I wrote it down. He says, for us, this is the end of all stories, he says. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their lives in this world had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. That is our hope. That's what we're striving for. That is what we aim for. I know. You may have to go back to your nine to five tomorrow, but you are in it for the long haul. We are in the forever game. The only time people think of funeral uh, of of eternity is through funerals. And it often comes from a shallow, you know, sentimental base on on, on this concept of of losing someone. And, And and maybe you may say Moises to think of death is kind of morbid to think of that concept. But actually, it's unhealthy to live life in denial of this truth to consider that one day, even we'll go through that process. I was in a funeral Saturday and I was it Saturday yesterday. No, Friday. I was in a funeral Friday and I told two people, you know, and I was watching their reaction. And I, I was looking at the casket and I said to the two people, I said, I'll, tra- I'll trade places with him in a heartbeat. And he's like, whoa, dude, like you okay, man? I'm like, no, I, I'm ready for eternity with my Heavenly Father. I love my wife. I love my son. I love my family. I love everything. But man, when you, when you compare that to my eternity in heaven, man, I'm so ready. That is the place to be. That's where I want to land. That's what I want to strive for. Only a fool will go through life unprepared for what we will know eventually what happened to all of us. We need to think more about eternity Not less. You know, when life gets difficult, when life gets too overwhelming, it's a forever promise. We live life based on that principle and everything changes. You need to walk walk around like, hey, it doesn't matter. I'm going to heaven one day anyway. Yes. I do mean that. Because everything else gets smaller when you think of that perspective. God is looking at it that way, He looks at your life through the lens of eternity. And it is time for us to understand that although this life may offer a lot of things, God offers the ultimate compensation for a life faithful that is faithful to him. And all of us have access to that. There's no more life than the one. There's more to life than than just here and now. Life this way, it's meant to be lived. It changes everything for us. You feel much better about your life in general. There's nothing else to seek. I, I I know it could be difficult. To overcome the things that we have fa- to, to face tomorrow, but the reality is that God has created us for eternity and he's planted that in your heart. The reason why you don't want to die is because you were created to live forever. It's because you were created to live forever and God is saying you will live forever. Just stay close to me. Amen. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray. Dear God, I, I know this could be a hard concept to grasp. Lord, but we find comfort in the fact that the journey of life is one that doesn't have to end at any point. God, that you have made it so that as we seek you, we have an eternity waiting for us to live for you, God. Help us, God, to comprehend the concept, to understand the balance of it all. We are faced with a life here on earth, Lord, that is challenging, that that comes to us fast, God, and that sometimes we don't know how to react to it. We don't know how to take it all in. The processes and the difficulties that we experience personally are hard to, to overcome, God. But we pray, God, that you would give us the anointing that we need, Lord, the direction, the comfort, the guidance that we need, Lord, In order to see past the problem, to understand that God is in control, that your timing is perfect in our lives and everything that you have to offer is unique and special for us to receive it. God, I love you and I thank you for every individual in this room. And if anyone, anyone is having questions about their their eternity, God, Lord, would you work in their hearts now, God, so that they may feel peace and comfort in knowing, God, that although the circumstances in, in life may be difficult may be challenging, you have a plan that goes way beyond those circumstances. You have a journey and a, and a process, Lord, that's so much more fruitful than what we see today, God. Help us to rely our faith on that, God, so that we can give you praise and walk in joy and, and, and witness to others of the great things that you're doing in our lives, God. God, we thank you for this opportunity that you give us to be here. Help us, God, to understand and live like your promises are forever. And know that we are in the game of forever with you, God, in everything that we do. Jesus, thank you so much. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Can you give God praise this morning real quick?